But I want to give you a warning as we begin today, is that you not look at this group of men through the eyes of worldly leadership. Often we look at leadership, even the church, like we look at it in a company. That it's what we call top-down leadership. We'd even draw out a pyramid. Some even mistakenly would call the group of men that were on this stage our board of directors. And certainly all of us have seen the damage done among God's people when shepherds have acted as dictators. First Peter 5, we're warned. The elders are warned to not lord over people that are entrusted to you, but to be examples to the flock. You see, the biblical model of leadership is so different than the world's. Leadership and authority comes not by position, but by relationship and respect. And so the Bible uses lots of words to describe this position. It uses words like elder, overseer, shepherd, pastor. Those are all great words. Elder would indicate maturity. Overseer would indicate the authority to oversee the work of the church and to lead us and to protect us. Shepherd and pastor are the same word that really mean it's someone who's among the flock, who knows the flock, who loves the flock, who ministers to the flock. And so we love that term, shepherd. You see, I want you to know this morning that Jeff Arrington is being ordained as a shepherd in his church, not so that he might become a shepherd, but because he already is a shepherd. Now, this concept of leadership is so foreign in the world that we live that people have always had a very hard time catching on to it. Jesus' early disciples greatly struggled to understand that Jesus' kingdom would be completely different than the kingdom of the world and ran differently. In fact, we're, we've been studying a lot lately in Luke chapter 22, and, and, and it's most evident there. They have partaken of the Last Supper. Jesus has just identified his betrayer. Jesus has just said, here's the guy that's going to betray me. And then look at verse 24. Within minutes, these disciples were bickering over who of them would end up the greatest. Is that not appalling? How in the context of, of Jesus saying, I'm the sacrificial lamb that I'm going to lead by a cross, of, of Jesus saying, someone's going to betray me, can these guys so quickly begin to argue from who's the worst to actually which one of us is the best? It's crazy. And so Jesus has to do an intervention here. Look at the next verse. But Jesus intervened. Kings like to throw their weight around, and people in authority like to give themselves fancy titles. It is not going to be that way with you. That's not the way my kingdoms run. Let the senior among you become the junior. Let the leader act the part of the servant. Jesus takes that leadership pyramid and turns it completely upside down. He says greatness and leadership is not those who tell everyone what to do, but those who serve. Now, please make a couple of notations here, especially if you're taking notes. Jesus is not opposed to leadership or ambition. He wants us to be great. But Jesus does redefine leadership and refocus ambition. Leadership is serving, and ambition is not looking after yourself and your, your business, but looking after others and their business. 
The secular world, even today, has recognized this Jesus model. You can go to major secular universities and attend classes about servant leadership. It only came from Jesus. You see, the most unexpected part of this story, and the title of our message today, is that God is a servant. Who before Jesus would have ever guessed that God's a servant? Many of us on our phones, we get notification of the latest news, the latest breaking news. How about if today you got a notification that says, Queen Elizabeth has given up her, her throne. She is now becoming one of the servants in Buckingham Palace. We go, that is crazy. And yet how much more crazy is that God gave up his throne to become a servant among us? You see, when he came, there's certain things we would have expected. We would have expected God to be powerful. We would have expected God to be a great teacher. We might have even expected God to perform mighty miracles or even raise people from the dead. But what we would not have expected is the scene that surrounds this scene in Luke 22. is Jesus entering a room, the disciples arguing about who's the greatest, jockeying for position around the table, and Jesus blowing their minds and still blowing our minds today, girding himself, getting down on his knees, and going one to the other and washing the disciples' feet. If you are writing a children's book and you put in there the picture of this scene, the caption that would belong under that scene is, what is wrong with this picture? See, that's completely unexpected. And yet that is what Jesus did, and that is who God is. Now, let's say, just as Jesus struggled to get this concept over to disciples in his day, we still struggle to understand this form of leadership. So today, in our self-absorbed, self-centered world, this is still a challenge for every one of us. It's still cuts across the grain of the way we look at greatness and leadership. So this morning, I want to share some quotations from a book. Annie Johnson walked in my office on Monday morning and said, man, I've been reading this Francis Chan book, Letters to the Churches, and man, this chapter says everything that needs to be said on faith works, and it does. And I read that and thought, man, I, I can't word it this well. And if you know Francis Chan, you know that this is going to be extremely convicting and challenging. I want to just show you a few quotations from there as we prepare for us to respond to Jesus the servant. First of all, he says, at the core of our faith lies this belief that Almighty God humbled himself to serve and die for us. Because that's the radical part of Christianity that makes it different than any other world religion, that we serve a God who humbled himself and served. Jesus himself said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, listen, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. And then Chan writes this. We're a little bit different. It's no secret that most people who attend church services come as consumers rather than servants. Here's the sad part. We have learned to accept this as if there's nothing we can do about it. What's a consumer? It's someone who consumes. What's a consumer in church? It's when you come here for what can be done for you. 
And you judge the church by how the church serves you, not how you serve the church. Now, at some point, I understand this. When you're picking a church, you obviously want to, to pick a church where you're fed, where you think you can grow, that you think is healthy. But, but the problem is, often we come in as consumers, and we remain consumers until it doesn't quite meet our expectation. My friends, if you remain a consumer, you will always be disappointed because that's not what it's about. It's not about how people treat you. It's about how you treat people. Now, we understand this. If, if you've been in church very long at all, you've heard people talk about the 80-20 rule. What does that mean? That 20% of the church members do 80% of the work. Now, I trust that we are much better than that. I really believe that. But we have lots of progress to be made. We must make progress until there's not a single person sitting in this audience who remains simply a consumer. Look at this next quotation. We are too easily satisfied. We are content if a person leaves pleased. I confess to you that too often I judge the success or failure of this service as to the comments I get at the door as to whether you are pleased or not. That is such a terrible low standard. The purpose of this service is not to please you. It's to please God. And it's not to leave you where you are, but to send you out from this gathering to serve. Then he gets more specific. Have we shifted our criteria for a good disciple as someone who shows up to our stuff, gives money, and occasionally feeds the poor people? My friends, that's not what a disciple is. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 40, when, when a disciple is fully mature, they will be exactly like their teacher. A disciple is not someone who's just involved in church. A disciple is someone who actually is becoming a servant like Jesus. So, what do church leaders do? Listen to this quotation. Church leaders' role is not to coddle you, but to equip you. Love this line. Think personal trainer, not massage therapist. I don't know about you, but I love a good massage. Anybody agree with that? But so many of, our, of, of us expect to come to the church, and what the leadership is supposed to do is to massage you. We read a passage earlier, Brother Jeff did, from Ephesians chapter 4. It lists all the leadership roles in the church, and it comes down to this point. It says, all these leaders have been given to equip you for service. Don't think the goal is for us just to hire a good staff and have amazing shepherds and let them do the work. Our role is not to do the work. Our role is to help you and empower you and equip you to do the work. So we've we got to stop calling people, and we've got to start, start expecting of people. Look at this question. Do you see the weirdness in calling people Christian when they aren't servants? How could you be a little Christ and not be a servant? Acts chapter 11, verse 26 is the first place in the New Testament where the word Christian shows up. The line says the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. First time the word's used. The question then is, can disciples be called Christians? 
The question for us is, can Christians be called disciples? You see, we have watered down in our culture and even in our church so far what it means to be a Christian that the word is almost worthless. But be a disciple, a follower, an imitator of Jesus. That is who we're called to be. Now he asked a question I've never thought about. Why don't we treat selfishness as a sin that needs to be confronted? Just a couple chapters earlier, Jesus said in the Gospel of Luke, if any man is going to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. And yet, we seem to be okay when we're not denying ourselves. You know, in our church, we're blessed to be a part of such a wonderfully crazy open church where all kinds of sins are confessed almost every Sunday. But probably the most prevalent sin among us may have never been confessed, and that's that you and I so often are selfish. I want to do what I want to do on my time. And then Chan writes these words. They're not in your bulletin, but I think they're powerful. We confront sexual immorality in our churches because we're commanded to live holy lives. The adulterous person does not represent Christ well, but neither does the consumer. It is a sin that has to be confronted if we want to give the world an accurate representation of the body of Christ. And if we really love our brothers and sisters, shouldn't we be encouraging them to repent? So that leads me to our conclusion today. Here's what should be expected. What should be expected is that you and I are servants. God's not satisfied with you just coming to church and getting when you can or getting your feelings hurt because nobody speaks to you. We shouldn't be satisfied with that, and you shouldn't be satisfied with that. Now, here's the cool thing, is we have the example of Jesus, but here's the cool thing about us, is we've got the example of so many incredible servants in our church. You just saw a picture of some great servants. You, you don't know the hours these shepherds put in. We had a great picture this last Wednesday night at the back of our parking lot for Trunk or Tree. It was so cool to see this church come together and serve our community in such a beautiful, fun way. A lot of people sacrificed to make that happen. And every time you walk in this church and drive in this parking lot, you may not recognize it, but it's nice because somebody cut the grass and somebody stood on the sidewalk and greeted you. And somebody took your baby into the nursery. And somebody gave you a lifeline when you're walking in. And somebody made the heating and cooling feel good, at least a half of us. And somebody made sure there were pins in the pews. And somebody made sure that Bible classes were taught. You see, every time you walk in here, all around you, if you'd open your eyes are all these incredible servants of Christ. So, what's expected is that you're a servant. That's not a question. That's an expectation. What is unexpected today is that you're going to be blessed. 
You see, what the world has taught us is I'm going to be blessed if I live life my way. So here's what we're taught. Keep your options open. You know, if you sign up for something to do on Sunday, you might actually have to be there. And what happens if something fun comes along that you'd rather be at? Don't commit yourself because when you commit yourself, you're, you're lowering your options. And in our culture, the greatest good is to have fun. And so if something comes along that I could have more fun than serving in my ministry or going to the inner city or serving in the school over here or serving here in this building, that I immediately vacate that. Now, here's the bad thing about it. That sounds like that would bring us such a great culture where you take care of yourself and you look out for number one. The truth is it's led us to the most self-absorbed, depressed culture in history. The truth is what Jesus Christ said in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You start giving and you will be blessed. You walk in here asking what's done for you, you will always leave disappointed. You come in here asking what you could do for others, and you'll always leave invigorated. The truth is the world standard of leadership and commitment doesn't work. It is clear all around us. Our economy is booming, and yet we're still not happy. And I guarantee you, you will be miserable in this church, and at some point you will probably leave if you continue to not serve. So let me give you one more Francis Chan quotation, and we'll get to work together. Imagine gathering with a group of people who are trying to outserve one another. Wouldn't that be crazy? If we walked in here, walked in our, and, and, and we're not asking about ourselves, we're asking, how can I serve? And we're stepping over. I do see this at times in this church where there's so many people at the information center, so many people at the doors ready to serve. How incredible if that becomes the standard in our church and not the worldly brand of low commitment. Wow, that would be exciting. Wow, would we be different. And wow, would our community be different. So, today, Jesus is preparing us for greatness. Today's a very special day for us. It's what we call Faith Work Sunday. In fact, every one of you needs one of these forms. If you don't have one of these forms, please raise your hand and someone will deliver them to you. Okay, if you don't have a FaithWorks form, looks like everybody's doing pretty good. David, right over to your left, I see some. Just keep your hand up. Some of the teenagers over here are going to need them. You got quite a bit of, is there anybody that would help David, okay? Let's, let's try, to, try to hand these out to everybody. Now, here's, if you're new at Landmark, I, I want you to understand this is that this is the way we sign up for ministry in the coming year. You know, what this form will do is it will tell us where you will serve in the year 2019. Here's the really cool thing about this church. At the end of every year, we clear our computers. We clean our desk. And what you did last year doesn't mean you're going to do it the next year. That's why we've got to have this form. Don't assume because I've been doing this all this time, they're going to know I'm going to keep doing it. We're not making that assumption because we want to give you the blessing of being able to serve where God calls you in a new year. You might want to serve in some different areas. You might want to stretch yourself. So this form, though it may look rather insignificant, could be your next step 
in your commitment to Jesus and to this church. So, if you'll look at the form, we're going to fill it out together. Let's start at the very top. At the top, you'll see room for your names, phone numbers, email, contact information, children's names. We'd like to have that accurately. So everybody just start filling, filling that out as we get started. That's very important. We get accurate information. So, so print clearly. Now, I may go quicker than you do, so just, just keep on filling it out, all right? But below that, you're going to see what we call Sunday morning attendance commitments. So we'd like to know if you're going to consistently attend the 815 gathering or the 1045 gathering. And then you might really miss this because right across from that's a little bitty line with a box that says, I'll commit to participating in small groups. Let me say this. This may be a great step for you, because if you know anything about Landmark, small groups are the number one way that we take care of each other, we help each other grow in Christ, and we do service together. I can't think of a a better next step for any of us than to take that step to say, you know, to this point I've avoided it, or I've let other commitments take its place in the year 2019 I'm going to look at this myriad of number of groups, and I'm going to find at least one group, if not two, that I can serve in. So please check that. That'll make our leadership feel very good about shepherding you. And then, men, below that are some Sunday morning leadership roles that you can sign up to play. Don't assume that because we're a big church, we have plenty of people in all these roles. We'd like you to sign up for one of those roles. Now, let's stop for a minute. The remainder of the FaithWorks form lists ministries that you can choose to be involved in. For just a moment, put your pen down. Everybody give me some eye contact, okay? I want to say three very important things before you complete this form. First of all, do look for the areas that you're gifted. And beside every ministry, the spiritual gift is listed that might be associated with you. You want to find a place where God has equipped you and gifted you to serve. Make sure you sign up in those areas. But second, there are also some some what I call family chores on here that really aren't about gifting. I don't think I'm a gifted grass cutter or a gifted communion cup filler. I mean, those are just things that we have to do because we're a family. Your family's like that, right? And so the more of us that will be willing to do some of those family chores, the more time will be free for all of us to serve in our area of giftedness. And third, may I say to you, stretch yourself. Do something different. Do something new. Do something that might lead you out of your comfort zone because that's how you always grow. I love the the new lady of a landmark last Sunday who cornered me in the foyer, so excited about this little form and saying, how many things can I sign up for? You can sign up for as many as you want to but you might want to be a little careful that you choose the ones that you can really focus on. So sign up for a bunch, but make sure you sign up for those family chores in those areas of giftedness. And my my friends, you're about to look down an incredible list. Now you can start looking again. There's an amazing list of opportunities, not from A to Z, but from A to T, from adult education to telecare. You might not know what telecare is. That is our telephone prayer ministry. 
to participate in this, you don't even have to leave your house. You just have to be willing to make phone calls and pray with people. As you march through this list, you're going to see lots of different sections. It starts with adult ministries. It goes to those wonderful welcome team ministries that bless you today. Then there's that behind-the-scenes building and transportation ministries. And then our world-changing missions ministry. And then the things that surround this worship gathering. And then a really important place where we have to really step up is student ministries. Now, you can see on your sheet, that includes children, youth, and college. Now, let's stop back at children for a moment. We all know that one of the greatest blessings to serve in this church is to serve a child. But we also know in the history of our church, that has been the biggest challenge for us to man because you guys keep having so many children, all right? Now, you see on that form, there is an expectation for parents of children. We believe they should be willing to step up first. But for those of us who remember what it's like to have small children and how at times you need to be able to come on Sunday and just relax, the rest of us need to be involved in that. And so whether you have children in your home or not, I would challenge you to be a part of that. You'll be blessed, and you'll bless some young mother, young father who's stressed out and needs a break. So please sign up for that. Youth and campus ministry, great things are going on there. And then you'll see the, the back half of the last second page is care team ministries. These are the ways that we reach out in our community, in our church, to meet special needs. And boy, this is, this is my favorite part of the form because this is the way we definitely get out of ourselves and get out into our community. So please look over that. Now my favorite box on the form is a box near the bottom that says, I'll serve wherever I'm needed. Now, if you want to take a risk today, check that box. I'll go wherever you need me to go. So, as you complete that, let me say some words of encouragement. We are so grateful for your willingness to participate in FaithWorks 2019. It is truly exciting, as Francis Chan said, to imagine what we could do if all of us would step up to the place and work. You see, together, my friends, we can play big, not separately. And all of that will focus on reaching one more person for Jesus over and over again. I'm telling you, this can be the most rewarding work of your life. There's a precious child, a homeless family, a first-time guest, a lonely person, an addict, a lost person, all of these people need a personal touch, and you could give it. And everything you volunteer for communicates and counts, from the grass cutter to the greeter to the nursery worker to the absolutely critical security team to the small group leader to those who wash the baptismal garments or fix communion to people reaching out in prisons, schools, and inner city to those given special need to the call of God to look after the orphan and the widow. God can use you, and together we can play big. Now, one more thing on this form is you'll see a little perforated area, which is your offering commitment card. And what we're going to ask you to do is to please fill this out 
make a goal of what you're going to give in the year 2019. This is one of the best places for you to grow in your faith and to stretch yourself. And this will also communicate with these leaders that you are behind what this church is doing and that they can properly budget and plan what we spend. So here's what you're going to do. If you fill that out, please tear it off. Isn't that pretty cool? Man, I love that sound. Keep on, guys. Keep on. Now, there's a white envelope so that this is um, personal to you and it's confidential. We want you to put this card in the white envelope and attach it here to your FaithWorks form. So, we come to an exciting, exciting point in our service. And I'd like all of our shepherds to come surround this stage. They're going to have baskets Keep on ripping, keep on ripping, all right? Some of you are just ripping to make me happy, thank you. At this point in our service, you're going to have the privilege, yes, I'm calling it a privilege, to respond to the call of Jesus to serve. We traditionally call this moment a song of invitation. That's a great title because this song is inviting you to respond right now. Your response to today's message, and more importantly, to Jesus, is in your hands right now. You're holding your response to the teaching of Jesus. And as you place this, you're making a commitment before God to respond to that call. You're making a commitment to the shepherds of this church that you are not only going to work in this church, but you're going to put your money where your mouth is. So please, in the next few moments, affirm your commitment to this church and, more importantly, to Jesus Christ. Understand that God is a servant, and as people who follow Him, it is not optional whether we are servants or not. So we're going to sing this song of invitation while you're seated because many of you are still filling this out. Take your time. Take your time to fill it out and then come to the front. Also, there may be some people that are so blown away by God who serves that today you're ready to surrender your life and follow Jesus. All you will need to do is meet me on the front row. But for the rest of us as members of this church, it is the expectation of God Almighty that you respond and that you serve And you can also expect that you will be blessed. Do we believe Jesus or not? It's more blessed to give than to receive. Please come while we begin to sing.